Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Sanditon Season 2. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. Keep up with us on TikTok and Instagram at The Pemberley. You can support us on Patreon and email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast. This week, we're going to dive into Sanditon Season 2, Episode 2. Before we do that, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. I will start. I've been watching Love is Blind Season 3 on Netflix. It's a reality dating show, and it is a very interesting experiment. Basically, it's like, is love truly blind? You have a bunch of single men, a bunch of single women. They're put into these pods where they can't see each other. They can only talk to each other. The whole experiment is, can you fall in love with someone without even seeing them? So it's like this very intense situation where they're basically in these pods for like hours at a time. They're kind of secluded from the outside world. And within a matter of days, they get engaged. And then you kind of see the relationship play out. The ultimate experiment of this is like, will they say yes? Will they say no? I feel like at this point, people are just more signing up to be on TV because it's such a popular show. What? I know. People do that? I know. So I feel like a tiny bit of the magic is lost because there was like one perfect couple from season one. And now it's like all the other couples are like, meh. But it's still very entertaining um, if you're into reality dating shows. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. Well, that sounds really exciting. I mean, it it so reminds me of The Bachelor. I mean, kind of more intriguing because I think I've also heard they do pick people who live in the same city. Yes. So So I think that's also a really big deal because with The Bachelor, they're like, we're in love, but I'm in New York and you're in Idaho. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, how do we make this work? It's not like a huge deal to like, oh, how are we going to like make this all work? So that's, a, I think, the really clever thing about it. What have you been watching? I and many other people rewatch On a Loop, which is New Girl. I just can't help it. I haven't, you know, explored a lot of new stuff lately. So I just kind of go back to Jess and Schmidt and Winston and Nick Miller and Cece and just sort of watch their hijinks ensue. And it's also interesting because... I remember when the show first came out, I was in high school, but I didn't get it. Like it was a hot show, but I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of fun. Okay, whatever. And now that I'm sort of the same age as the characters, it speaks to me a lot more. Mm. Do you start from the beginning or do you just jump into like a particular season when rewatching? No, I just like dive into episode one, like the pilot, and then I just let it run. It goes by fast. It really, it goes by so fast. I blink and I'm like, oh, I forgot this happened. Like, oh, we're on season three already? You know, because there's a broadcast show. So there's a lot of episodes. There's a lot. I always, I watch it and I'm like, I could visit that place. That's here. That's just in LA. The bar they go to is like a real, it's like a real real. place. It's It's real. You can order food from there and everything. Yeah, you can go. (laughs) Uh, You can go. So I always think about doing that and then I don't do it. Maybe you and I can have like a side quest (laughs) at some time and we just like go to all of these locations. Yes. So what can I say? It's a solid watch. It's a good show. I laugh at it. I love, you know, everyone in that show. Feels like they're my roommates, but then I get to turn off the TV. (laughs) Previously on Sanditon, Charlotte Haywood is back in town with her sister Allison. 
She's taken a job as a governess. The regiment is temporarily stationed at Sanditon, bringing a whole new crop of suitors, boys, boys, boys. And there's a very intriguing mystery surrounding Sydney's death. Why was he in Antigua? We don't know, and we're gonna learn. And we don't find out more about that mystery. Oh yeah, I don't, <laughs> in this episode. I hope you guys but, didn't think we're gonna answer that question now. <laughs> it's just something to keep in mind, I think. While we see what else is going on in town, let's start with the Haywoods. Charlotte is off to her first day as a governess. Very exciting. Turns out the staff is already betting against her. The other servant is like, I have a shilling on you, so like, don't let me down. Yep. <laughs> she officially meets the children, Leonora and Augusta, but now in the context of this is the person you will be with all the time. Augusta She's gone through a lot. I get it. She's just immediately mean to Charlotte. I feel like she's the one who really is behind all the governesses like quickly leaving because she was very like direct and mean with her comments. So she tries to find like, what is the thing that's missing about you? What is the thing that's like a flaw? And I'm just gonna like push in on that. So she's identified that like Charlotte's not married and she's supposedly supposed to be teaching me how to become a young lady worthy of getting married. So how do you, how are you going to teach me something like you've failed at? I'm like, oh, I just like shake this child. She's so mean. I'm like, like Charlotte is such a, I feel like I realized what not a good person I am when I was watching this. (laughs) Charlotte was like, oh, she's so hurt. Like, I want to understand her. She's like, there's nothing you can teach me. You seem like kind of an idiot. And it's like, Cool, thanks. I mean, it's nice to meet you too. We definitely see like Charlotte having all the patience in the world, but also it's like she has how many brothers and sisters? Like she, 11. She has 11 brothers and sisters. So she's clearly had a lot of practice in dealing with a lot of children, a lot of personalities. So yep. even though she's never been a governess, she's had the practice in, in, in a way. I feel like this is better than any governess training ever. 11 yes. is just so many kids. Yes. So Augusta has been doing like needlepoint and like does a thing where like, she's like, Charlotte spinster and like hands it to her she's like here it's you because you're a spinster get it do you get it like did i did i spell that right since you're here to teach me yes (laughs) so she's awful but you know charlotte is not gonna let her get to her Mm. and i think she doesn't even like it's really not getting to her she's just like oh she's so misunderstood in a way that i'd be like charlotte don't deal with this. And that's probably why all the other governesses have come and failed. She's good at not taking things personally. I'll yes. give her that because she really went for it. You know, yeah. she like met her with claws. Yeah, she did. You know, a, a dynamic that we come to later understand is that her parents have recently died. So yes. where Leonora is a little more just used to not really having a mother figure around. She's used to her father not paying attention to her. It sounds like Augusta is in fact misunderstood uh, and is yeah. acting like a total and complete brat about it because she's just lost her parents and like, and then, so she lost her parents and then was shipped off to her uncle's terrible house and then like hasn't had a friend for 16 months. I mean, Colburn is just always locked away in his office. He's like always working. It feels like Anthony Bridgerton where he's like, duty, honor, like I have to constantly be working. I have to constantly be doing stuff. And you're like, you could also build a relationship with like your child and your niece. Yeah. He hasn't done that. I think he's also maybe 
grieving the death too. And so he, you know, he's like understanding like, how do I now be a ward to two children? Yeah. And maintain the responsibility of upkeeping this estate, which is a very large estate. Yeah. They have a lot of grounds. Mm -hmm. So it is a lot to maintain, but he's also become a recluse. No one in town really knows about him. When Colonel Lennox finds out that Charlotte is working for him, he's like, oh, Colburn. And like, that's kind of all the hint we get for now. It's just like, there's something suspicious about Colburn. Like, so like, should we be worried for Charlotte's safety? Well, it's so funny because just the tone that you took there, it's, I like pictured him going like, yeesh, ugh, yeah. no, oh, that sucks. Yeah. I could never work for that guy. <laughs> I know, but it feels like, who is Colburn? Like, no one really knows him. Like, he's not in town. He doesn't come to events. So we just know, like, the kids run around unsupervised and that's it. That's going to be Charlotte's big task is trying to break through to these kids. And she's someone who isn't going to give up. She stands up to a challenge and she's going to take it on and, and see what she can do. I admire her fortitude yeah. because <laughs> I'd quit. I'd be like, peace out. This sucks. I, I saved your cousin's life and you repay me with saying awful things to me. Yes. Okay. We're going to be just observing that relationship. Yes. So while Charlotte is working, Captain Fraser stops by and invites them to Colonel Lennox's big dinner and there's going to be dancing. Allison is like so excited. She's like, oh my goodness, like, will Captain Carter be there? Where is he? Like, is he here right now with you? And Captain <laughs> Fraser is like, hello, like, I'm a person. I'm Hi. here too. It's nice to see you too, um, Allison. Yes. Yeah. So she's like, oh yeah, I met you too. I forgot. Like, you're a person. So she, that's going to be the big event that we come to later in the episode. Going back to the Parkers, we are sort of reminded of the fact that Sydney died of yellow fever in Antigua. Why he was in Antigua is still a mystery. We know it was on Georgiana's behalf. Going there to settle her affairs is one thing, but to not tell anyone, I think, is right. very suspicious. Yes. We're also getting a little more into Arthur land. So he's trying his best to step into Sydney's shoes. And they are very yeah. big shoes to fill. But he wants to build a theater. Tom is like, I hear you, but I don't want to do it because I want to be conservative with money. Good for Tom. He's learned his lesson. I hope I hope he's learned <laughs> his lesson. I, I'm not convinced he's completely learned I his know. lesson. I think he's picking and choosing what lessons he wanted to learn. <laughs> I think that Arthur is still such a character that he's like, well, if Arthur wants it, it can wait. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I think he's still not 100% being taken as seriously as he would like. No. And I mean, Arthur sees this as like, this could be the Royal Theater of Sanditon. Like, it's a big deal. It could bring yeah. so many people. He has a vision. Yeah. But Tom's like, nice try. We'll focus on other things for now. And if I may be so bold, I think they all have like a vision, but I, I don't think they have the stuff to execute it. Yeah. We get an interesting interaction between Arthur and our lovely eccentric artist friend, Charles. Arthur is just outside taking a nap. Yes, in, he, he's like, falling what, asleep. In, he, like against some rocks, which <laughs> I don't fully understand I don't because know. he has a home and a bed and I prefer to take my naps there and not yes. out in nature. He catches Charles's eye and he starts to sketch him. And you have a rare masculine beauty, Mr. Barker. Indeed. Undoubtedly so. In Paris, you will be fated in the salons for your charm and in the Tuileries for your style. Oh, I should love to be fated in the Tuileries. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm certain one day you shall. 
Something I feel like you and I picked up at the end of last season, and it's so deeply unspoken. We're pretty sure that Arthur is gay. There's like a little spark between him and Charles that like, who knows if it's intentional on Charles's end or if it's not. I think for Charles, it's like Arthur is best friends with Georgiana. Georgiana is someone I'm interested in. Therefore, I should get in with the best friend. So then he can put a good in a good word for Georgiana for me. Well, and it works. Yeah, because <laughs> that, that's his literal scheme. He's like, here's your likeness. Great. Now, how about you repay me <laughs> by putting in a good word with Georgiana? Yeah. And Arthur's like, yeah, of course I'll do that for you, man. Like, I love you. Great. <laughs> and also, if you're around Georgiana, then you can be around me and we can all hang out all yeah. the time. Yes. That's just another interesting little character growth moment for Arthur where we get to see more of him. Tom Parker's new scheme for how to put Sanditon on the map is to have the army build a permanent barracks there. Why you would want a bunch of army men kind of running around wreaking havoc on your quaint little seaside town. I don't fully understand. No. But in his mind, he's like, it'll bring money. It'll bring that sweet, sweet government crown money. It'll like be a place that's like a real place, you know, it'll be an established situation. I mean, season one, Sanitan, Tom Parker was like, Sanditon is the new place to be. Like he was, he and Sydney were constantly going to London trying to bring like top people, top people of society there. And there's so many things to do with Sanditon. And they go, they would get there and be like, literally what? Like what, what is there to like, do? Like show me the sites. <laughs> the main attraction is literally the sea. It is like the appeal of being near the sea, getting the salt air and all of that. So that was like the big draw. But besides that, they're like, yeah, we have balls, we have an assembly room, but like we have that in London. So why do we need to go to Sanditon for that? But now season two, they've rebuilt the town. They are a little more established. I think they are like now an emerging town. Like Tom doesn't need to focus on like constantly trying to go out and bring people in. Like now people are coming to Sanditon. So now he's like, great. Like I have a spark. Like I I just need to maintain this fire Mm -hmm. and help it to grow. Yep. So that's what he's trying to do. He's like soldiers, more attractions, big things. Like now I just need to grow the momentum I have. Yeah. He's trying to capitalize on that. And it is a big deal that the army is stopping by. But is it that good for them? We'll see. Yeah. A quick thing about the denims. Edward is now fully stalking Esther. Like he's kind of lurking around and then he sees her. He's like, oh, no idea you would be here in town. And so he's up to something. He's trying to get back like into her life and, and trying to like take control of her again. But she's like a very strong woman. Forgive me. I didn't expect to find you here. On the promenade or in Sanditon? Either, if I'm honest. And yet does it not feel like fate that we should both find ourselves back here at the same time? Fate played no part in this. It's all a contrivance, befooling no one, least of all me. What will it take to convince you I'm truly repentant? Try drowning yourself. Esther kind of flees away into the church and Miss Haskins and her brother are like, oh great, someone's here for the service. We have, we're gonna like start soon. And then she's like, no thanks, like I'm leaving. Miss Haskins catches up to her. She's like, listen, like I've heard of like what's going on with your situation. I've heard of a midwife who like can help you. Esther is at least appreciative of that and is like, okay, I'm gonna 
keep that in mind. And I feel like right now she's just desperate to try anything to try to have a child. So she's like, midwife, whatever. Like, yes, I'll do, I'll drink anything. I'll take anything. I'll, I'll do whatever treatment. She's really desperate. She's yes. like, I will literally do anything. I will put my body through anything to get yes, pregnant. Yes, yes, yes. Which may not be the best strategy, Mm-mm. as we'll see. Really, we get to the big event, which is this dinner, and there's going to be dancing. It's really like a select few. It's like the top people of Sanitan who, who are invited to this. They've rented out the Sanitan assembly room for this big event. It's, it's nice. It's really nice. It's, it's really a, nice. It's a fancy setup. It's really beautifully set. Men in uniform. Yeah. It's, it's got everything. It's got everything. Colonel Lennox is still very much interested in Charlotte. He's already claimed her for the first dance. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte's just more like, you know, I think she's still not fully mourned Sydney. And that's another thing that Mrs. Parker tells her. She's like, you can mourn him. But Charlotte is like, he has a widow. Like, I can't mourn him out of respect to her. As if she feels like she doesn't have a right to love yes. him. Yes. She was trying to fall out of love with him when he chose to marry the other woman. Yeah. And now that he's dead, she feels like she doesn't have a right to mourn him because she's like, what even was, were we to each other? Yeah. The promise was made, the intentions was made known, but it never came to fruition. So she can only be like, we were about to be. We liked each other. Yeah. So it's like. We had a crush on each other. Yeah. So it's, it's really a tough situation for her to be in. Yes, maybe like Colonel Lennox is like taking an interest in her and, but she doesn't really like register it. Like, I don't think she really wants to see it. So she's not seeing it. Charles Lockhart has clearly taken a liking to Georgiana, who Mm -hmm. like is not interested in giving any man any attention. Nope. But Arthur is now joined in on the scheme. He's going to play wingman a little bit. He does. He does Um, a great job. Yeah. So even though Georgiana doesn't want to talk to him, Arthur kind of sneaks away and then puts their their name cards together for dinner. So they will be seated next to each other. This is the fun thing about this dinner is because like everyone's in the same room. (laughs) All the new characters we have are all together so we can better distinguish everyone and like the love triangles. It is a little easier to untangle everyone at this point. We also see Captain Carter just tripping over his words, looking like a total idiot in front of Allison. Yeah. Who doesn't even notice because she's so enamored with him. But he's like, like, she's like, what's your favorite poem by this guy? And he's like, oh... (laughs) All of them. Yeah. I love all of them. How He's is like, one to choose? So hard to choose. And, it was. and you know, she's she is very well read. She's like an educated young woman. And he's like, oh, she's so pretty. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like we have the beginnings of like what will become a Cyrano situation because Captain Carter goes to Captain Fraser and is like, how am I going to keep up with this young lady? Like, she's so eloquent and so well versed in poetry and all these things. He's like, you know stuff about that, right? Mm -hmm. Can you just help me? talk to her and like know what what the right things to say know what the right things are to write to her and so captain fraser is like yeah whatever man like i'll i'll help you so that's kind of where things are at captain carter and allison they dance like she's basically like i'm gonna marry this guy like this is gonna happen he's so hot yeah i love him (laughs) georgiana and charles like they kind of have a one-upping conversation of like i don't give a crap what people think about me well i don't give a crap about what people think about me so charles like stands up and makes a toast to napoleon emperor napoleon abolished slavery he was not just a soldier but a man of vision a man who recognized that ideas ruled the world not might alone 
<laughs> to Napoleon Bonaparte. They just chant out and then Lady Denim is like, oh, don't pay attention to the artist. Like, yeah. he, he's, he's just, just going to say whatever he wants. Like, pay yeah. no attention to him. But it's just sort of amusing to me that this was done in a fit of proving that he doesn't care what people think about him. Yeah. All in an effort to win the good opinion of Georgiana. I mean, and she, it kind of works. It works! Because later when they're talking, you know, he's just kind of going on like, I don't like polite society. And she's like, I don't like polite society either. And like, she's starting to warm up to him. Yeah. There's no sparks flying. There's nothing happening yet. It's more just like, okay, I think I could be interested in you. She's like, I don't hate you. Yes, I don't hate you. (laughs) I do. She's like, I hate all men. But, like, you-less. Yes. Dinner's over, and then they do that thing where they separate the sexes, and the men go and smoke and drink and gamble, and the ladies go drink tea. And we're with the men. And Tom, who's Mr. Responsibility, allegedly, he's a gambler. Yeah. He's, like, losing money. I mean, that, no, well, that was the big thing from last season. Colonel Lennox is like, come on, come play and... Actually, Tom Parker's like, no, I don't want to play. And Colonel Lennox is like, I'll put in the money. Like, you just roll the dice, you know? He's like, oh, like, okay, so I don't have anything at stake to lose. Your money. Yeah, so I'll play. They end up winning. So Colonel Lennox gets all the money. It kind of like refuels that spark and interest in gambling for Tom Parker, which is not a good thing because he's done some really bad things with the gambling so Mm -hmm. they almost lost like all of sanditon because of his gambling scheme so not a good habit to fall back into nope and then another thing that we learn at this ball is that the colonel lennox and colburn have serious beef with each other they are not friends it seems like colonel lennox is like mildly concerned that charlotte is working for him but he doesn't tell her why. <laughs> he just says, it's like, oh, Colburn, yikes. This guy, huh? He's still Ugh. here? <laughs> I feel like he's staying in a way he's like, that's a really tough thing that you're working for him. And Charlotte's like, yeah, all right. Like he wanted her to ask. He wanted her to be like, oh, what, what's what's wrong with Colburn? But she doesn't ask. She just goes about her day. And, she, and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> so she wanted to be polite. I think she also didn't want a tainted opinion of him. She's just like, this is my job. You know, if this guy sucks, let me find it out for myself. Yeah. I don't care what you guys have done in the past. I think Charlotte's also not one to gossip. So she is just like, well, whatever you have with him isn't what I have with him. So I'm establishing my own working relationships with that family. That kind of concludes the ball. The very glamorous, amazing ball. It's like a lot of things happen. Mm -hmm. Relationships are starting to be formed. And that really takes us into now post-ball. Mrs. Parker and Georgiana are having a conversation where Mrs. Parker tries to be a guiding hand and say, look, you will be more accepted if you're married. But also, Miss Haskins comes up and informs both of them, like, hey, the militia is not paying for anything. They're, like, putting everything on credit. The shopkeepers that they're buying all these things from haven't been paid. Who even knows about the fancy dinner that they threw the night before? Like, they haven't paid for any of that. And that is quite alarming to Mrs. Mary Parker. Because her husband is like, I can't wait for the militia to be here. They're going to make us rich. And they're draining their resources. So that's just a 
little seed that we're planting here yes. that I'm sure we will revisit later. Back to the scheming, lying, cheating Denim family. Yes. Lady Denim invites Colonel Lennox for tea just because he's the little man about town. And Edward comes with him. He's he's kind of Colonel Lennox's right-hand man, which is something that we're learning. She invites him with the intention of bringing Edward because she wants to also have a more honest conversation with Colonel Lennox to be like, but what's his deal? Like, is this real kind of thing? Is he really a changed man? Yes. Lady Denim has gone off with Colonel Lennox. They kind of have their own private conversation, leaving Edward and Esther alone. Edward is just like, you seem so different now. Like, married life has changed you. And he's trying to, like, use that again to manipulate her and really, like, put her down. But really, he's just saying, like, you seem, like, weirdly confident now. And she's like, yeah, because, like, you're not emotionally manipulating me anymore. Like, I'm a free woman from you. And I am my own person. He does notice, like, something's off. But she's not going to open up to him and be like, I had a miscarriage. Like, I'm really struggling here. She doesn't trust him. Like, why would she? No, it's very personal. And also, she can't let her guard down around him. No. Lady Denim does believe that he's reformed is the kind of issue here. She's like, okay, I've heard it from Colonel Lennox. I've seen it in Edward. Maybe he's worthy of, like, forgiveness. Not forgiveness, but, like, she's like, all right, like, all right, you've changed your ways. Like, you've done the work. She's not a loving person or anything, but she's like, okay, you're not banished. You're, like, banished adjacent. <laughs> so. You can come over sometime. But then... But then... And we're like, oh, Edward, okay, he's in. Yeah. He won. And then Clara, who was, like, the scheming woman that they had relations just after burning the will, they celebrated by having sex on her library floor, has returned, and she is nine months with child. She's dirty. She's disgraced. She's like, I have no place else to go. I'm with child. Please help me. He's not here with this. It's just Lady Denim and Esther who discover her. And they're like, oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Esther is like, I don't care. Leave. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, you have nowhere to go? Sounds like if it isn't the consequences of your own action. Yeah. You know, maybe if you wanted someplace to go, you shouldn't have lied, stolen, cheated, all of it. They are going to let her stay. At least until she has the child and then they'll kind of figure out like what what happens after that. They still don't trust her. No. And now they think that her and Edward are in cahoots together. It all just feels like convenient timing. Esther has come back into town. Edward's back in town. Claire's back in town. Like the gang's all back together. But it's no longer the scheming, manipulative relationship they were all in together. It's now Esther... And Lady Denim trying to hold, holding strong and not letting themselves fall prey again to any schemes. So they're on their toes. They're keeping watch of both of them. I think they're just mostly figuring out with her, what's the plan here? You know, what is their scheme? What could they be up to? And that's the big question. You can stay here because you're pregnant and desperate, (laughs) but that's it. That's it. You don't get anything nice. And then we finally take the episode out. We see the fruits of Charlotte's patience with Augusta. They're both sitting, doing their schoolwork, minding their business. And she's like, hey, remember how you suck and I hate you? (laughs) She doesn't really say that. Yeah. But that's the sentiment. And Charlotte defends her spinsterhood and says, you know, it's not like no one has ever loved me. I was loved in return. But circumstances conspired against us. Then he died. Miss Markham, our lives may seem worlds apart. But 
I know what it means to grieve. We are nothing alike, Miss Hayward. Augusta's like, no, it's not the same thing. You know, nice try, Charlotte. But <laughs> Nice try to parrot, Charlotte. <laughs> yes. Um, Augusta opens up to her in a tiny way. She's like, well, I used to play the piano for my parents and like they really liked it. And she's like, well, we have one. We have one here. Like we should unlock it and we should play it. And, and Charlotte's like, yeah, sure. Like, great. Like I'm, I'm breaking through. I'm opening her up and we're going to go bond together. They go into this room that clearly has not been used in, in a long time. It's like been locked. It feels like a room that no one goes into and no one's talked about. Again, going back to the very like Von Trapp family. Mm-hmm. No one's played music. Music has not been in this household for many months. No fun, no joy. So Augusta hands her the key. Charlotte unlocks it. She starts playing. It's like very out of tune. Augusta's like, keep playing. Play louder. Louder. <laughs> keep playing. What's that? Is it a piano? <laughs> like sort of thing. Um, obviously Colburn hears this. He rushes down. It's like, stop, stop, stop playing. And Charlotte covers for Augusta because he's like, clearly this is Augusta written all over it. She's like, no, I got the key from a servant. Like, I unlocked it. This was my idea. But I so, wouldn't have done that. I know. <laughs> I would have been like, like, yeah, it was her idea. Yeah, You're right. It's tough luck, kid. Uh, but no, Charlotte gets in trouble. She thinks she's going to get fired. She's like, listen, like you got to bond with these kids. You can't just be locked up in your office all day. So she really holds her ground, even though Colburn's like mad about this whole situation. He's mad that like she's not teaching them to be proper young ladies because Leo was still running around all dirty. And she's like, but Charlotte said like a young person should dress however they should want to dress and that sort of thing so he's like you're not turning them into young ladies yes taking them out for science lessons and you're breaking into the piano room like this isn't what young ladies do and she's like well it's actually like not what they need they need a father yeah they need someone to talk to them to charlotte's defense like this is her first job as a governess And she's never been a governess to someone who, like, is in training to be, like, debuted in society. So it is going to be a different dynamic. And, like, she's not someone who's going to adapt those kind of practices that need to be done for these young ladies. She's like, no, like, I live in the real world. I live, like, in the countryside. And this is what needs to be done to survive. Yeah. But Colburn doesn't see it that way. He's like, no, they have one purpose and one purpose only. Be trained to be proper young ladies and get married. He's like, the sooner they get married the sooner they're out of my hair yeah and it essentially yeah she kind of expects to be fired for yelling at him the way that she did but she's not augusta catches up to her she's like thanks for not like ratting me out tiny bit of gratitude tiny bit of like warming up to her from augusta uh it doesn't last long (laughs) so (laughs) it just happens for like this one part of the story so again a lot's happened in this episode we just have a lot of characters to get through a lot of little things but also a lot of big things so i feel like the big thing is claire is back in town she's pregnant with edward's child and what's gonna happen with that that's pretty big yeah it's pretty big pretty scandalous yes We'll stay tuned next week and we'll talk about this some more. We'll cover episode three. In the meantime, you can check us out on social media. We're on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram as The Pemberley. We're also on Patreon as The Pemberley. And if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. 